become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. the jstrom and you are here in my domain <laughs> uh, i'm here doing a show where we talk about film television pop culture i don't do it alone i also do it with steven the pop culture zealot hello hey, steven how are you man? how are you doing today I'm fantastic the loons no omen oh and we also have and we also have uh, 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 oh Mulberry Bill, but he will just wait for him to come back. <laughs> He's rebooting his PC. You know what's funny, Always. Bill, is we usually do the show live, right? Bill, huh? You called me Bill. No, I didn't. I called you Steven. No, you just no, I didn't. I called you Steven. <laughs> it's recorded. I'll know later. <laughs> Steven, what, what's funny, Steven, is that usually we do the show live on Fridays, but we haven't lately. And people don't really understand why, the two people who listen live. Uh, the reason being is Mixler, the service that we used to uh, be live for years now, I'm thinking the last... Three years? Something like that. For a long time, started charging. <laughs> like for, basically it's free for an hour. If you do the show live for an hour, it's free. Or if you do any longer, they want you to pay like $100 for a year. And I'm like, how about a free three hours a month? It's not like, our, uh, what I, no, I, I said that wrong. Three hours a week or something. Three hours a week or something like that. Because we only do the show... We don't do it daily. If we did it daily, yeah, I can understand $100 a, a month. That's not so bad. So it's, is it a free no, hour? No, not, not, not a month. God damn it. Uh, $100 a year. Uh, that It would seem to make sense if we did live shows all the time, right? Is it a free hour daily? It's a free or... hour. Yes. You okay. could just do an hour uh, like show every day. That's what I would uh, So. We don't use the other five, six hours. Yeah, that's. I would love to do a deal with them. Like, couldn't I do one three-hour show every, uh, four <laughs> times a month for free? And uh, I don't think they would like that, would they? We only offer the services available, sir. We can't do anything to help you. Want me to punch inside your face for free? Yeah, they no. might offer that. No punch sizing. Well, what happened to Bill? Nobody's Chick listening anyway. Chicken but. escape. Huh? Chick chicken escape? Yep. So oh, Bill did a chicken escape. He's on his mobile in the backyard. 
chasing chickens. Oh, Skype is updating for him. Steven, I, I want to talk to you. Hey, Bill, I want to talk to you about the... <laughs> I did it again, didn't I? You did it the first time, and you don't believe me. You'll hear. I want to talk to you about some of the latest news. Did you know that there's a Gilmore Girls reunion in Austin this it's weekend? It's about time. Yeah. Where the Gilmore Girls cast leads, fans will follow all the way to the ATX Festival, which will hold a reunion panel in conjunction with Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> oh, shut up. If it was Entertainment Landfill, people would care. Yeah. Weekly. Pfft. The reunion panel will look much like a Stars Hollow town meeting. Hey. Oh, wait. I think we got Bill. Thank God he's going to save us from this. Saving us from the Gilmore Girls. Hello. Hey, Bill, Mulberry, hey. Bill, the Mulberry historian. How's it going, Bill? Excellent. Excellente. If that's, uh, is that, some people say that? Ex- excellent. Sure, why not? Hi, Bill. How's it going? Just having some Skype problems there? Yeah, it, uh, when you first called, I just had red bars, and then it said uh, Skype is updating, and then I had to restart, and so now we're good. Goddamn Skype. Am I right? I guess I just don't use it enough. There's that weird hiss again that it really? comes in. Yeah, I don't know why. It's it's if you're talking, I think it goes away. Like talk for a bit. Like hey, I'm- hello, hi, how are you? Greetings and salutations. No, it's there. But see, it's louder when he stops talking. Yeah. Oh, on my end, like in some of the audio settings. Let me see here. Let me, let me see if my mixer is. Mixing. Let me see. Audio settings. You know how there's that one automatic speaker adjusting? Yeah. No, I don't have that clipped. I wonder if... Hmm. I don't want to, like, start messing with settings and mess anything up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's try that. Is that better? Worse? No, I still hear Same it. Thing. It's just like a loud okay. hiss. No we had it in the last episode, too, but... I got to the point where I was just like, you know what? Nobody cares. Only I notice it or whatever. Hmm. It just got louder. <laughs> yeah, it just got louder there. Oh, that just got louder? Okay, yeah. well then let me... All right, there. Okay. Well, I'll leave, I'll leave my microphone. Maybe it's wait. on my end. Yeah, it's whenever you stop talking. So, Bill, never stop talking. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just keep Here it we go. going. Let me see. I'm going to try computer emergency i'm gonna unplug my my mic and headset and plug it into the front and see if that does anything let's see i guess he's got to replug in his mic we'll see what's going on there this is always compelling radio steven troubleshooting on air yeah it's like the old tech tv uh call for help (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Your computer hissing when you're using Skype. Try a different port. Okay. I just lost Bill. He's gone. We'll wait to hear from Bill in a moment. That is uh, a good... You know, I've thought about that. Like Google Hangouts, you could do it free there. Um, I just need to mess with it. I think that would be something easy to do. What's that? Use like Google Hangouts or something like that to live. do the show live. Yeah, some big jerk just told me that. <laughs> That's their name. Their name is some big jerk. I didn't call them that, you know. Google Hangouts is free and easy. What am I a jerk? No, some big jerk. Yeah, you some big jerk over here. Hey, what's your problem? 
He's just a two-faced jerk. Yeah, what do I look like over here? Some kind of a jerk or something? Biggest jerk I've ever met in my life. Wow. We have a lot of jerk drops, don't we? (laughs) Do we have any uh, jerk chicken drops? What a jerk. Yeah, no kidding. I I guess Bill is doing some some kind of, uh, what would you call it? Well, he's probably dismantling his PC to pull it out and uh, plug it into jerk sauce. I guess he's, they're plugged into the back ports on his PC. Yeah, a lot of people use Google Hangouts, like Android Central. They do a thing. I think even the the president uses Google Hangouts. How there's like Jackie the Joke Man. <laughs> 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 That's an inside joke. There. <laughs> Things are going to start happening to me now. Hey, there's the jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was so funny. Stupid jerk. We're just going to keep playing jerk drops until Bill comes back. I'm not laughing. I think you're a jerk. Yeah, jerk. Oh, yeah, lots of jerk. There's about lots of jerks in Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, a lot of jerk drops. So Stephen and I finally saw Falling Hard, one of the greatest movies ever made. Fantastic opus. Yeah. You don't have to be such a jerk. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, uh, we talked about it several episodes ago. What was the one called uh, Falling Hard, our episode? Right. Where Stephen and I talk all about a film that Stephen worked on. A And the reason I knew about the film is that Stephen gave me the script to read, and then we talked about it a lot. And Stephen, you did dolly work and stuff like that. Right. And at the end of the episode, we actually find Falling Hard on DVD. Correct. Yes. And Stephen bought it, and it took a long time, but finally we watched it last Saturday. Yeah, I think for three weeks I had it in my hands. Yeah, we watched it on... Uh, last weekend. Last yeah, I watched it here Saturday. in my living room on my uh, um, plasma TV. Look like complete shit. <laughs> <laughs> because it's letterboxed, but it's also pillarboxed. So it's like a tiny rectangle. And I tried to do a zoom in. It just made it look worse and yeah. stretch. So we just gave up and we watched it looking like shit. Yeah, that uh, 16 millimeter transfer was. All right. Yeah. Hey, Bill. Bill's hey. back. Is that any better at all? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yes. It sounds good. Okay. Got it licked then. Oh, wait. It's. Better. Oh. Ah, don't worry about it. All right, fine. So so anyway, Bill. (laughs) I am so tired of dealing with incompetence. Yeah, me too. Steve and I were just talking about Falling Hard, the movie that Stephen worked on. It was like, it wasn't a student film. Was it a post-grad student film? And uh, they... It was his clerks. Yeah, this guy that went to UTA, Matt Kurtz, he... Basically, he saw the film Chasing Amy by Kevin Smith. He was so inspired that he wrote a script resembling Chasing Amy. But mm-hmm. you know how Chasing Amy was but like... Without Ke- any charm. Cha- Chase- <laughs> and Chasing Amy, Kevin Smith had something personal to say. Right. About his previous relationship or whatever. It, it was came from an emotional place. 
this film came from nowhere. It came from a guy who just liked Cheesing Amy and wanted to make a film like it. It was kind of that era where everybody wanted to make the Tarantino film. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I went through that, too. Uh, Oh, yeah, I, I did, too. And, like, at UTA, you know, I hung out with those people. Everybody wanted to be Tarantino or whatever. Um, But this guy wanted to be Kevin Smith, which I don't blame him. Back then when Clerks came out, it was very inspiring. Like, oh, I could make a film with my friends and it could turn out. But a lot of people discover, no, you can't. (laughs) Because (laughs) you you don't have a voice, you know. It's not just about having talent. It's having a voice. And I think the main having problem... Having a story to tell. Yeah, I'm not trying to diss Falling Hard, but because it's so easy to. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no voice in the film. It was about a guy... One who, note. You know, was a, this guy and his friend are in a bar. He's got a fiancé, right? Girlfriend. All right. Girlfriend. And he sees a girl at a bar sitting alone drinking. And oh. he's thinking... Why is that girl my who buddy seems should go out with her? My girl, my you know, my buddy should go out with that girl, but really he's intrigued himself. Like, why is that hot girl sitting by herself? So they hang out with her. They all get drunk or whatever. And the Wait, next day, let's use that term loosely, hot girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm just for the <laughs> sake of the story, Steve. So the next day, the girl, girl. calls Cutish. the guy. And wants to know what he's doing. And he's like, shouldn't you be calling my friend who I'm trying to set you up with? She goes, no, what are you doing? You know, and they go out and they go drinking. And there's no nuance to the story at all. Like, there's no scene with his fiance, girlfriend, whatever, Stephen, getting, like, hinting around that maybe this is uncool. She just outright says in the next scene, I don't think I'd like you hanging out with this girl alone. You know, it's just like... Which a girl never does. No. A woman never tells you when they're mad at you, first of all. <laughs> they just hint around it. Um, there, that's what I mean by no nuance. And there's this, uh, his friend who goes out with her, what, twice? Yeah. He, like, falls in love with her immediately. Right. You know, he's like, but she's not interested in him at all. It was just. So, she's, so he f- fell hard? Yes. Yeah. They even said you're always falling hard for these girls. Yeah, they and used I, it. Dude, what? Three minutes into the movie, yeah. they did a title plug. Three minutes in the movie, Bill. Where, isn't there a, a line in in Clerks where they're like, "We're clerks"? No. no. Oh. <laughs> you know what? They even yeah. say "falling hard" twice yeah, in the movie. Oh and the hell. The second time, I was like, "Come on!" You know. What movie are we watching? They just yeah. said. Oh, the best part. Is it the girl who they're both guys are infatuated with or whatever? Her name is Amy. That's how inspired. Oh, and I kept making jokes during it. Like you need to go chase after her. Chase after who? Amy. (laughs) You know, it's like you're chasing Amy, aren't you? You know, it's just like, come on, dude. But uh, yeah, it, it became where. And what's funny is the whole this the big payoff bill will be when Steven is on camera, right? I'm waiting. <laughs> I for do have a cameo. P- yeah, I'm waiting for PCZ Steven to show up <laughs> on camera. There's one point where we see like Steven's like arm, like my chest in frame. Yeah, yeah. my God, look at that arm! And I was like, and you were like, "That's me, that's me." And I was we like, "What's talent? That's an arm for movies." I had this Margaritaville shirt. Well, what's funny is that's your shirt. I'm like. 
Yes, I'm in the scene. You know, but and it's like it, it never pans up. It, yeah, scene. wouldn't just pan up to show Steven's face. Then finally, a long shot of Steven <laughs> across the backyard. You see him, but. Dude, you can't even tell it's you. It's just like who's a, that person in the background? She's made for movies. Oh my god, it was so funny. I was like, man, this is irritating. Just show Steven. <sighs> we waited all this time with this horrible movie for this. Yeah, and I just I still can't understand how we got a DVD release out of that. I don't either. This is no Andy Anderson's detention. Yeah, no, not at all. It's, it's What's not funny is anymore. two of the actri- <laughs> the two actresses were both in detention. Yeah, the they? two actresses were. In That's detention. so funny. Oh wow, what a scam they had but going the, there. <laughs> I like the fact that we were like, we've seen them naked. Yeah, that Andy oh, Anderson. Yeah, Susanna Gibb is one of them. Yeah. Bill, that you've seen? Didn't I tell you to watch it on Netflix one time, or did you rent it? I rented it and copied it and even sent you a copy. You did? Yeah, I, I sent you that. a copy of it. Maybe I have it somewhere. But it's not detention anymore. What is it? It's called yeah. Learning Curve. Learning Curve. Learning Curve. And it is detestable. It's Oh, it's horrible. awful. This is the guy who taught film at the school. He made a movie where he cast a bunch of students, acting students, drama students, whatever, and then had them all get naked in it. And then they screened it. For alumni, did they not oh. go, there's something creepy about this? Because yeah. <laughs> there is something creepy about it. And nobody, like, said anything? Like, well, he's, he's a like director. He's the old creepy teacher, too, wasn't yeah, he? Remember, he, his first film called Positive ID, that was his claim to fame. That people were like, well, you directed a film called Positive ID. It's really good. And it's awful. The first time I ever saw Positive ID is, this is so funny. Somebody gave you money to make a second movie? (laughs) My my stepmom, Leslie, wanted to be a screenwriter, and she took a screenwriting class taught by Andy Anderson. She rented Positive ID from, like, Take It Home Video. So we all sat and watched it. Of course, it looked really low budget, and uh, I wasn't impressed by it. So later on, when Alex went to UTA, he was talking about, yeah, my, my film, my video teacher whatever the hell he is yeah. film he his name is Andy Anderson he directed this film called Positive ID you want to watch it it's like i've seen that movie it's when leslie wanted to be a screenwriter my stepmom <laughs> you know what's you know what's so funny is you go back on imdb and there's one user or no there's there's seven reviews for positive id and one of them is from somebody in Irving, Texas, and the, the headline is low budget, and it shows, but a terrific story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wonder yeah. if that was Andy Anderson's review. You need to look up reviews for Falling Hard. <laughs> we, Falling. Read the, we read some on the show, and wow, they were bad. Yeah, did you but, ever watch the one uh, with my, my buddy David Lee? Um, David Lee Roth? No, his name was <laughs> David Lee, period. <laughs> Um, Sweet, David uh, Roth. God, it was terrible. I have it on video. What is it from the uh, UTA crowd? No, 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 no. Oh, it was um, just something. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You showed me that. I know what you're talking about. Where the woman takes her top off of the. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You did show me that. He was like the sleazy guy or yeah, something. Yeah, it, so, it was so funny. Yeah, you yeah, showed the, me that a long time ago. The funny one was they they shoot at a, a helicopter with with pistols. And oh. you hear, like, the helicopter, you know, over the loudspeaker, oh, shit! You know? hits. <laughs> <laughs> they shoot the helicopter and it crashes, but you can tell they just, like, turned the video sideways and moved it real fast. Wait, what did you just say, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
this build? Right. Well, now we know Hell, what a rescue helicopter, helicopter has crashed. Um, <laughs> it's a police helicopter. Um, this is again going back to the uh, say. Um, oh, <laughs> say, uh, yeah, I say, believe. Say it, you, say me. It probably was a uh, by uh, what's his face? God, why can't but, remember? Uh, what's that director's name? Bill Papatopoulos guy. Oh, um, why did I forget I, his name? But, <laughs> uh, My brain she, don't work Sheen's, no more. Uh, who is Sheen's brother? That uh, Charlie Sheen? No, Emilio Martin Estevez. Sheen's brother. Uh, it was Estevez. oh Joe Estevez. Joe Estevez was the yes, lead yes. Of this movie. I remember that. Jim Wynorski. Jim Wynorski. Yeah, it was a Joe Estevez movie, and Steven's friend was actually in the movie, and it was ah. so funny because the scene oh, he was sorry. in was a. Sleazy detective or something. Yeah, and a woman walks in and she takes her top off in front of him. And it was so hilarious, like, because it was like, and I could just. Was he get pushed out a window, shot pushed out a window <laughs> or just, something? It was so Ridiculous. funny. Can you imagine, like, yeah, I want you to be in my movie. You're going to be in a movie where a woman gets naked. It's like, oh, okay. a different part. You're supposed to have a different part? He's like, no, I'm going to take part. that one. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I want the part with the naked woman, please. Um. Well, the dude that was supposed to play that part, his wife wouldn't let him see the naked one. <laughs> oh, that's no... F- it's acting. It's like, dude, you got to do this part. My wife won't let you. <laughs> All right, man. I'll take a, take a bullet for you. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, Falling Hard. Wow. I just Distributed have- by Vanguard Quality Independent oh, yes. Cinema. I mean, yeah. what what do you... What I, oh, one oh, thing and, I want... And the good thing... Remember, they did do a full document. Uh, a few. A they full did a commentary. commentary. There's a commentary on the. DVD. No. One thing that I thought was funny because well, here's what it is. It's kind of like not to take any way anything away from the fact that they actually made the film, completed it, released it on DVD, and also had a commentary. That's pretty awesome. But the fact that it's also kind of playing film, like, hey, I'm going to do just like Kevin Smith and have this and have a commentary and all that bonus features or whatever. It's the fact that they were talking about, they actually said how grueling the shoot was. And I just was like, oh, shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, yeah because we shot. Lately, your head has been either in the clouds or up your ass. <laughs> yeah, we shot more time and... Uh... Because they know what a grueling film shoots. Yeah, it was really, really grueling. is. It was just hot. It wasn't grueling. Well, they were talking about the the, the 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 bar scene that we only had two nights to shoot in this bar. Uh, we gotta let her out. Uh, the stupid bell. She's ringing the bell. They were talking about ding the, ding the production designer of oh, the film. Oh, Holly Christmas. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And uh, not to take any again, not to take anything away nice from her, lady. but they were praising <laughs> her her production where she photoshopped the characters' heads on people riding on the log ride at Six Flags. Yeah. Just the attention to detail was amazing. It's like we can't see any of that in the film. <laughs> <laughs> we saw one picture that they she photoshopped because he picks it up and looks at all. Yeah, and I probably don't think it was photoshopped. Like, they probably wow, just that... fully take a picture of them and just had it developed. It looks like they were really friends because they're in a picture together it's amazing by the way what even i've seen like tv productions like on major networks where there's pictures on a desk and they look horribly photoshopped <laughs> they just don't care you know? it's like they just trim the heads out of a picture and put it on then put it in a copy machine yeah it's just like yeah whatever production xerox that shit 
Oh, we got baby howling. Oh, it's okay. Our mics don't pick it up at all, Steve. No, I don't hear it. Good. So, anyway, that's falling hard. If anybody... We'll think of something else to say about it later. I don't know. Maybe it would be funny to do a movie mini or whatever, but we'd have to sit through it again. Oh, but I don't know. Uh, I just... Did I here, even leave it here? I kept teasing we were going to leave it here. You know what's funny is that... <laughs> abandoned this DVD somewhere. When you were making that film, I was slightly jealous because the idea of going off to make a film sounded exciting, but was it exciting working on it? It was fun. You get to meet some cool people. And were you like, wow, I can't wait till this comes out and watch this? No, I wasn't real. So, because, you know, <laughs> reading the script, it's like, I read, you know, I read the script. I gave it to Jason because I was like, I don't get this at all. Yeah, yeah. I remember I reading like, it and people had conversations like, in there that. It didn't make any sense to me. I was like, there, this doesn't make sense. It can't. It's not a story. There's a part, and Bill, so I where. Like, Jason, am I missing something? Read it and tell me. And, like, there's a part where the main character's girlfriend. She, he's brushing his teeth and she goes in and sits down on the they've toilet. They've been living together for a year. Yeah, yeah. Too. But they've been together two years. They keep mentioning that. You know, she goes, I put in two years with you or whatever. Oh, they weren't living oh. together. No, they had a room. They were roommates. No, I know. But yeah. what I'm saying. No, I was, I was clear. Damn it, Stephen. <laughs> what I'm saying is he's brushing his teeth. She goes and sits on the toilet and he goes, hey, what are you doing? She goes, oh, relax. And she's going to the bathroom. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, dude, that's maybe like first month of relationship. Yeah, maybe exactly. Six months. They've been together two years. That happened a long time ago. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And his lifelong friend lights up a cigarette and he's like, oh, man, those things will kill you. And it's yeah. just like nobody it's, says that. It's the, what was the cliche movie? There was a cliche every two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like. They Everybody speaks in cliches. It was really bad. That's what I wondered. If you're on the film and you're friends with them does anyone go dude this script sucks <laughs> I, I didn't or, know him well enough to say anything so why didn't know? anyone say it to him though i don't know it's like, because he's the director right uh, my Producer. favorite part of the movie though bill is the uh montage sequence where they're like <laughs> frolicking around like oh you and there's We're one just friends remember they're in a kitchen and he shoves her in the pantry yeah. and shuts the door on her and it's like oh <laughs> then there's a part where they're both on a swing set like in chasing amy yeah and oh. then remember there's a fountain scene in chasing amy mm -hmm. cut to fountain and falling hard and there they are at a fountain and it was just like, dude, come on. You've got cliched lines and cliched clips here. His main problem, which I guess happens, is that he had nothing to say in his film. Well, the, like, there was you know, no we passion going, to okay, it. What was the main character's, you know, essentially job? You know, you knew he was a salesman of some You knew he worked sort. in an office. That's it. Did he sell solar panels? And here's the solar um, panels. So, solar panels. Well, here's the main thing, Stephen, is that... His main thing, I guess, is that he is afraid this is all there is to life. Yeah. I'm going to get married and there's nothing else. Then this girl who likes to go out and party and get drunk every night, he's like, wow, she's really living life. Right, Bill? Like, she likes to get drunk and get wasted. <laughs> she knows how to live. Yeah, they go to Jay Gilligan's every night. She and doesn't hang, She doesn't hang at the apartment every night and watch TV. And she then goes he out and drinks. And then he realizes, wait, this bitch is just an alcoholic. <laughs> 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 what did I throw my life away for? It's just she likes funny. to go out and spend money on but, alcohol. You know, chasing Amy, he falls in love with a lesbian. It's more interesting. It's like, dude, you're hopeless. She's a lesbian. What do you think? Now, now she 
should have been a lesbian alcoholic. Yeah, it that would have been, been interesting. I would have preferred if he just completely ripped off Chasing Amy, you know, <laughs> or it been the other way around, where it's uh, two girls draw a comic book and she falls in love with a gay guy and he turns straight for her for a <laughs> while. Wouldn't that have been great? Just that would have been perfect. Switch that would it be around. Hilarious. All right, guys. Um, enough falling hard talk for Yeah, that. yeah, enough of that. Uh, Bill, did you see any movies re- recently? Um, n- no, I rewatched uh, Jupiter Ascending the other night. Oh, nice. Still on, up. on Blu-ray? Yes. And you enjoyed it? Yeah, I did. I, you know, you, uh, I think I enjoyed it more on second watch. Nice. I wish I would have been able to see it uh, in 3D again, but, uh... Eventually, I'll be able to see it again in 3D. You know what I noticed between uh, Sense8 just came out on Netflix today, the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski's uh, new show. Um, and it reminded me a lot of Jupiter's Ascending, where is this? Tell me if I'm right or wrong. They just, they don't, they just launched the show and you just got to keep up and figure it out yourself. There's, exactly. There's no training wheels or anything. And the show pays. I honestly, I've been, I've watched three episodes of Sense Eight, and it starts to pay off the more you watch it, right? Yeah, you and have to invest time in it. Even by the end to. of the second episode, I was like, okay, I'm sold. If you watch the first episode and dismiss it, which I've seen some reviews, only much like when Marco Polo came out, I saw people review the first episode wow what a drag it's a slog to get through and i'm like what does anyone have patience anymore for a story to unfold i've heard the same thing about bloodline and that's another show that it it takes it's a slow burn if anything uh i mean i've seen the there weren't many but i saw negative things about daredevil is that it's slow moving Dude, I I don't mind slow moving apparently because a lot of great shows are slow moving. The Wire is slow moving, but you know what? Things happen. They establish real people. There was a part in the second episode of Sense8 where I actually teared up, where I started getting to know the characters. And yeah. it's actually the transgender person, Nomi. Yes. There's a part where it's a flashback to her and her girlfriend. And they're at the uh, gay pride parade or something like that. And this militant lesbian kind of yells at her or something and kind of hurts her feelings. And her uh, girlfriend sticks up for her and tells the bitch to shut up or something like that. And then they walk away and she's like tearing up and crying. And she goes, what? Don't let that bitch upset. You don't cry. And she goes, no, no, that's not why I'm crying. And she goes, what's wrong? She goes, no, it's. Nobody has ever stuck up for me before in mm-hmm. my life. You're the first person to ever do it. And it made her cry. And I felt that, like, in the way they show that scene, this, you know, because I can only imagine what a transgender person goes through through the life. Just oh, my God, yeah. And this person, for the first time ever, stuck up for him. And it, and then to have an awful, awful parents oh my that you God. discover later, it's just like, oh. Oh, I know. Hideous. Won't call them by their transgender name, you know, because she's now a woman named Nomi, but it's just Michael. It's like, that's not my name. No, your name is Michael. I gave birth to you. I should know. And it's just <laughs> terrible, just uh, not sensitive to their cause or whatever. And, yeah, and I, you know there's people that go through that. Every day. It's just, it's brutal. Well, you can tell that it's a very personal story for uh, Lana Wachowski, you know? Yeah. 
And it comes across like that. It doesn't seem like a stunt, like let's throw a transgender role in here. It seems like a personal thing in the in the show. And yeah, uh, and I, I thought it was wonderful in that article on uh, the Wall Street Journal that uh, it was actually J. Michael Straczynski that you know wanted the character to be transgender, not Lana Wachowski. And they were he was saying that she was so happy. And she was like, ah, see, I it, it's not my idea. It's not my idea. <laughs> like just. just uh, she was just really I think it, it uh, brought a, a great joy to her to actually be able to write this character there there are moments where you realize this is the thing that I like about the show is there are points where the characters seem very alone but then they realize somebody is there with them because what, what the basis of it is which you know which we kind of know is that there's eight people that are all linked somehow and every mm-hmm. once in a while they'll look over and the person's with them or the other person will see through their eyes but they don't know what's going on yet you know um and they're not sure what's going on yet and saeed from lost is kind of like a guide i think yeah or something or he's he's i don't there's this weird uh yin and yang kind of characters that were introduced to mm-hmm. at the beginning and so far we've mainly been being exposed to Saeed's character what I think it is I mean I'm just I've only watched three episodes so I'm trying to figure it out I think that he is a, a sensate as they call him with another group of eight people or was and this is a separate one yeah and what's weird is he's more uh he can jump to people wherever they are and be there with them because he's actually, he's probably more adept at his abilities than they are. These people don't even know what's going on, but we're just seeing the beginning of a story and these characters introduced. And it's so far I'm, you know, I said it was fascinating because it is, even though sometimes I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I got to keep watching this, you know? Yeah. Especially the third episode, the way it ends, man, it was hard not to just keep going. (laughs) It was so hard to hit stop. Because I started watching the third episode, but I had just so much to do that I had to I had to stop it. And way, uh, Na- Natalie was going to continue watching it, and she's like, "I just felt bad. I couldn't do it." The so, way that episode ends is I had sweat in my armpits. Oh wow! I was just like on the edge of my seat. You know, it's really good stuff. Um, and I I want to watch more. And you know what's funny is I read this interview with J. Michael Straczynski that I thought was very interesting. You know, and I sent you the link to that bill. Yeah. Where he kind of explained, you know, because I'm trying to figure out what what is this show about, you know? And he kind of said what he he thinks that the the world is. uh, Oh, here it is. We are a better uh, as a species. We are better together than we are apart. That's a common core of our shared humanity. We're stronger than which we than when we seek to marginalize or factualize and turn us against each other. We're stronger as a species when we stick together, right? And that's kind of like the basis for the series, the ideal that these characters are stronger together than they are apart. And uh, it is true, like the way the world marginalizes groups, it separates us into groups over either religion or either 
political beliefs and we separate or we're, well. we hate each other or different biker gangs or <laughs> different uh, people's flags in the front lawn of their house or whatever. We all, instead of grouping together, you know, which makes us stronger, we kind of tend to separate. You know, it's okay to be a loner. I understand that. But we should be there for our fellow man. Don't you agree? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I think that oh, what he's trying to say, I don't know, is that uh, it's a positive thing of humanity. You know, a lot of times they're like, man, this world is going to the toilet. But instead, this is more like, no, let's it, it doesn't have to be that way or something. Right. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about the show is that just getting to know the cast just yeah. in two episodes, uh, I've, I'm getting an idea of who these people are. And there are shows with an even you know bigger cast. All I can think of is like Heroes, mm-hmm. uh, where you it's so poorly written, so these characters are so poorly imagined that yeah. they're just caricatures. Whereas even in just two episodes of Sense Eight, these are fully fleshed out people. Yes, and I love so much when the main one of the main characters. Well, there's eight main characters, but the cop guy. When they reveal his dad is played by Joey Pants, Joey yeah. Pantaleona, I was like, oh, awesome. His dad is Joey Pants. Or, um, his, I love the, the DJ lady. Her storyline is very interesting. Yeah, think, one of the Abraxas sisters or the Abraxas sister. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, that. Natalie and I are sitting there watching and she goes, where have I seen her before? I feel like I've seen, she looks so familiar. Oh. And then it just clicked in my head. Oh, that's the. The Braxis sister She's from Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. Uh-huh. And I love the guy from Nairobi. Yeah. A guy, with the Van Damme. He, he, yeah. Apparently, they have different buses in Nairobi. One guy has a Batman bus. Is that what it was? The Bat Van. The Bat Van. And people ride, pay money to ride that. But he's like, no, I have the Van Damme bus. And it has like a karate guy on the side. It's supposed to be Van Damme, but it's horrible cartoon because he loves Van Damme. <laughs> and uh, he's trying to get people to ride his Van Damme bus. And he's hustling to get money, enough money to buy uh, the drugs to treat his mom who has AIDS. Yes. You know, and that, that was another really touching moment for me. It was like, wow. So that's, you know. It's not just that this guy's trying to make money. He's trying to make money for a completely selfless reason. Right. And the transgender uh, person, uh, Nomi, transgender lady Nomi, she's in the gay pride parade and she sees uh, Saeed. I'm sorry for calling him. But Naveen Andrews is. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I, I think his name is it Angel. Is that what his name is in it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look on IMDb. But when she sees him, she passes out and she's on the back of a motorcycle. She wakes up in a hospital and there's her mom, her terrible mother. And she's basically, she's being held there against her will. Like her parents did, her mom did the legal signing or whatever, where she's going to have an operation to her frontal lobe, where essentially she's going to be lobotomized to fix her son, I guess. And yeah, you can't that's... get out of there. Ooh. And there's a part, you know, they're all linked somehow, uh, the different characters. And the cop guy, Naveen Andrews, says, you need to go to Nomi. She needs help. And he's like, who's Nomi? You know, but it, at the same time, as an audience, you know, I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, go help her. Yes, like, go get Nomi. Will you figure Break out? Break her out. You're a cop. Find- yeah, yeah. I can't wait for him to find her and rescue her, you know. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, to be lobotomized, that's just some scary shit. I remember, uh, you know, in 
uh, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. That part is so disturbing when the you know post lobotomy, you know. Yeah. Well, that's where your that's where your personality is in the in the frontal lobe. Right. You know, all all your all your thought processes and your personality is all up there, and all your sight and sense is at the back of your head. Well, and so I, it's like yeah. It's, that's, it's so, it, and there was a doctor that would travel around in like the, like the, the forties that would stick an ice pick in people's eyes. And Bill, I did a Google search to see if like, uh, did people try to fix gays with lobotomies? And apparently they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How disturbing is that? Yeah. Really incredibly disturbing. Yeah, there was this uh, this doctor Walter Freeman, and he would travel around to all the different like, uh, uh, would you call them mental institutions? And he would literally drive an ice pick through the eye socket into the frontal lobe, Holy and just shit. swish it around and destroy people's brains. There, there was one really stupid uh, question in this interview. Uh, it says. Did you and the Wachowskis talk about the fact that even their audience has a split? There's a large split between Matrix and Jupiter Ascending or Cloud Atlas audiences and how those audiences don't necessarily reconcile. And he goes, huh? he and he's basically saying, did you talk about how they have three different audiences of fans and how you could bring them together? And J. Michael Straczynski says, we never had that conversation. Thanks, <laughs> it's God. Like, it's a stupid question. Like, yeah. did you guys, like, hey, how do we get your Matrix fans into this? No, they're artists. They're going to tell the story they want to tell. Yeah. The Matrix is something different. They're not going to try to bring Matrix people in there or whatever. It's just a stupid question. When I read that, I was just like, wince. Like, you would either have Wachowski fans <laughs> and watch all of their stuff. It's like, Wachowski fans and Babylon 5 fans are going to check this out, you know? <laughs> But, yeah, and I'm thinking it isn't enough sci-fi for the Babylon fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, some people will dig the form of storytelling it is. I certainly do. What, as I was watching it, I was like, there's no other show like this. Yeah, I love when a show makes me think and, like, basically surrender myself to it. Like, okay, I need to let this develop. I need to let this breathe. I can't be immediately uh like ready for something to happen this is it just has to wash over you i love the fact that there are very quiet scenes where the character's just sitting feeling something and they cut to another person of another part of the world and they're sharing that feeling or something and there's no dialogue and a netflix show has the time to do a show uh, show like this with this kind of pacing and it should be celebrated it shouldn't be like yeah you know, there's not enough going on. I'm turning this off. This is like, this is a novel. Yeah, you know, this it's it's I love I mean, every I can't wait to get to know more about the uh, the German uh, cat burglars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, you you you're introduced to them and in, in this kind of crazy way. And then uh, the son, obviously, his his father was like a big time a uh, safe cracker, but there's obvious drama there. You know, you yeah. flash back to a scene as a kid where the father's laughing at him. And then you have the scene earlier in the sh- where he pisses on his father's grave. Yeah, he obviously and, had no love for his father. Yeah, yeah. And, 
you've got you've got the the wonderful Korean story. I can't wait to get to know more about them, and then the uh, the Mexico City story, and oh, just I've uh, grown to love that storyline too. It's an actor. He's like this male action hero who's hiding the fact that he's gay, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, they play it for comedy, too. You know, he's got this woman throwing herself at him, and he doesn't know how to get rid of her. And finally, you know, she goes up into his bedroom, and there's a guy in bed, his boyfriend. And she's like, oh, I see what this... And she goes, this is great! And she yeah. sits down, and they're like, whoa, what is she doing? She's like... How excited she is. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to be your beard! And she's, like, expecting to move in now, and, like, she's going to be his girlfriend, like a huge role or whatever. But then it turns out she has a psycho stalker boyfriend <laughs> who who's pissed now, and he seems kind of scary. So yeah. I don't know if you've seen him introduced yet, Bill. I shouldn't. Have seen I that. did. I no. Oh, I okay. I did because I watched about half of the third episode. So yes. Yeah. So it's funny how they each they introduce each character, but then they introduce the conflict also, and you wonder how that's going to play out. And it's all, like, conflict that's kind of scary, too, you know? Absolutely. Except for the cop guy. I'm wondering what's going to go on there. Oh, what's cool about that is they've revealed that when he was a little boy, he had these psychic visions about a missing girl. Yeah. And when he brings it up to his dad, his dad's like, no, 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 no. Do not bring that up. They, you will... They'll you'll lose your job and stuff like that. So apparently, I guess when he was a kid, he saw the visions of this missing girl, and he told his dad, or he maybe he told everyone. I don't know. Maybe they thought he was psychotic or something. I don't know. But I thought that was an interesting story development that maybe yeah they'll tell more about later. But I thought uh, the show is very intriguing. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm sold. I I, I can't wait to uh, binge another couple episodes of it. And it's amazing. I love the way Netflix is taking these huge chances on these shows, not because they want the viewership, but because I think they really want the the accolades. Yeah. Like they want they want the respect. They want these shows, these actors to be nominated for Emmys and Golden Globes just to show, listen, what we can do here is to, you know, give a show, you know, that's either 10 or 13 episodes that a person can watch at their pace and like they're reading a book, you know, like you can, you can read as, as, as much as you can and then take break from it. And I, I love that. I, I love that I can, you know, that all the episodes are there for me. And I know now they're kind of experimenting with the, uh, the one episode a week. I know they're doing it with that, that teen show. Well, the, the reason they did it with that is because it, is airing simultaneously in Canada. Okay. And I had heard some good things about it, but then I read some dreadful reviews. So I was like, ah, I'll, I'll check out the pilot once I'll check out the first episode. I guess it's not a pilot. If it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll check out the first episode after all six are available in case I want to watch more, you know, I'm not going to do oh, okay. once a yeah. week thing, Bill. What is that about? Yeah. I'm not into that, but I read some pretty, like I showed you, I shared with you the variety Review yes. of Sensei that said, while the streaming service was no doubt hoping for The Matrix in commercial terms, it wound up with something closer to Jupiter Ascending and Cloud Atlas, or yeah, worse, you. yeah, or, or worse, its own Marco Polo, a or dense, Speed Racer, uh, yeah, a dense sci-fi construct that's poorly explained through three episodes. Sensei bears some resemblance <laughs> to. 
Fox's short-lived show, Touch, infusing a sense of global interconnectedness with mystical mumbo-jumbo. It's like, what? Wow. Wow. That's dripping with cynicism. Could they be more dismissive? Oh, man. Just whatever. Some people want to give it a chance. about reviewers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some people want to give something a chance. Some people don't. Uh I'd say give it a chance. Understand less than what's going on on television right now. You know, it's I always a good barometer is my dad. I'm just curious of what he'll think. Like he loved Cloud Atlas. Yeah, I can't remember what he said about Jupiter Ascending. I can't remember if he saw it, but um, I believe that he will like this. But I'll wait and see. You know. Yeah, your dad's track record. I think he'll appreciate the uh, what they're trying to achieve. I wonder, like, I wonder how some people will feel about the transgender storyline. It'll be like, oh, come on, I'm not, this is kind of, I'm not into this. But they, Yeah, I know my dad could never watch it because he just can't wrap his mind around that. He, like, he's so old school, yeah. Bible Belt, inundated with that but mindset, time, that very limited mindset that yeah, I don't think he could time, grab they it. They paint that character as a real person with feelings, which yeah. is... Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like just a, like a, what would you say, a stunt? I don't know. Yeah. It seems like, you know, they're showing this is the way this person is. And the the way I've tr- wrapped my head around the whole thing, you know, like even to talk about Bruce Jenner in the news, is that some people... Think it's a stunt again or whatever. Well, no, not, not that. It's... I'm talking about the whole thing of being oh, transgendered is that yeah. some people just feel like they're in the wrong body. Yeah. And... The reason I don't understand is because I'm not wired wrong, and and I can't ho- even hope to understand. Yeah, but you have I, no f- point or frame of reference. Right, right, but I can empathize and try to understand. Yes, exactly. You know? And that's I think that's all anybody who's going through that. I mean, it, you know, it's I've tried to explain to my dad, you know, this is something that they are born with. This is, you know, it's it's no different then you or I, it's just different chromosomes, yeah. different, you know, it's, it's Think a molecular it. level thing. You know, it's, it's, it's not a mistake. It's not, you know, it's just, you need to understand that this is who they are. Yeah. Why would anyone willingly go through that if they weren't sure that they were, exactly. they were meant to be this? Oh, by the way, we have five minutes left of our live broadcast. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> we only get an hour of, of free time. Oh, is that what Mixler's doing now? They're charging now, but we're doing the free one hour. I just thought Uh, it'd be fun to go live for an hour. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you can either choose to be a dick in that situation or try to understand. I think it's it's better as a human being to try to understand. Absolutely. You could condemn all you want, but... That's not going to achieve anything. Yeah, I mean, what... You're going to, yeah, whatever. It's just offensive and it's, 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 you're do you're not doing anything good for yourself or for the human race by dismissing someone or someone else's point of view. You know, it's just, it's, it's all about empathy. And if you lack the empathy, then you're just an asshole. The, the, <laughs> the one thing I thought about is for years, Conan has made fun of Bruce Jenner's weird plastic surgery face, you know? But then when you find out, oh, he's going slowly transitioning, it's kind of like, I wonder if he feels like a dick now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was kind of a secret, you know? Yeah, that's rough. 
And one thing I want to know, is the actress playing Nomi transgendered, or is that a woman? I believe it's a woman. Okay, because I was wondering that. Oh, baby was chewing on a stick, I hope that's what it is. Like, no, it's a turd. Oh, okay. Mm, delicious. Delicious turd. But uh, anyway, everybody go watch Sensei. Uh, watch, I'm going to say watch the first three episodes and see what you think. Yeah. And if you can't, I, I don't, I didn't realize it was a Wachowski's Homer. Cause Bill, you know, I gave like the matrix sequel such a hard time, but I'm love the shit they do. You know? Yeah. It's because they're excellent storytellers. They really are. And I love that. I don't, I love that. They just start showing the story and I have to like, you know, it's run along like a train and just jump on and, uh, for dear life and start to get it, you know, and start to care for the characters. Cause like in, um, Jupiter ascending, it's just like, you know, uh, try to follow it guys. Yep. It's like, here we go. Like why all aboard. should they dumb it down? They have a story they want to tell. They don't need to dumb it down. That's stuff. Studio execs tell people to do. Like right. you gotta dumb it down for the audience. You know what? I was even thinking about this bill. Like, um, I've said it many times. Whenever you watch a movie, or a TV show even, go on IMDb and read the comments and how stupid they are. And you realize these are the same people who, they do test screenings at studios for movies, and these knuckleheads say the stupidest shit, and they get movies, they get artists who have a vision and a story to tell, they have to change it because Joe Sixpack doesn't understand. You know what I mean? uh, This would be... Maybe my take on it. Maybe you got to have a certain IQ to be a screener for a movie. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying, I really, think you're right. Yeah, uh, but the studio is like, no, no, no. We want anybody who has what, cash to. You need to take a Scientology personality test what, before you can they, see the they movie. Want somebody with a 60 and below IQ. And it was very. Drew McWeeny did an interview on this podcast called The Movie Crypt, and it was very interesting. He was talking about how uh, many films were ruined by this these effing guys with these movie cards that people filled out, you know? Uh, and he was talking about, like, Adrian Lin's or Adrian Line, his vision for uh, Fatal Attraction. And the original version of the film, you know, the film is Michael Douglas cheats on his wife with Glenn Close. Then he pushes Glenn Close aside, tries to save his marriage. She kills herself. Is it a marketable movie? I don't know. Is it artistic? Yeah. Yeah. Is it sad and a bummer ending? Yes. But the studio, they didn't want that. Instead, they turned it into she's psycho. She attacks the wife at the end. The wife kills her. And then Michael Douglas, who's the cheating asshole, he's just hugs his wife. And that's the end of the movie. And there's no consequences for him, you know? And uh, I, I just he was like that movie. If you want to see a movie that was changed because of those cards that they pass out to audience members, that's it right there. Jeez. That's how, and I was thinking about that. Like, I, I wonder how many films would be different if they just got to release it. Oh, and that's, and bro, that's the end of our broadcast day on there, but that's okay. We're podcasting, so it doesn't matter. But do you guys understand, know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, God, I, I remember reading all kinds of, um, wasn't, uh, Pretty in Pink was a movie that was changed because they, uh, audiences didn't like the ending. Yeah. Like, it wasn't Ducky actually got the girl. 
And then they were like, oh, that's, un- that's not they, that's- they debated. They wanted, uh, you know, John Cryer certainly thought that. And uh, it's he tells a pretty funny story where Molly Ringwald was like, I wouldn't be attracted to him. <laughs> uh, and she's like, uh, you know, he he looks, he, you know, isn't he gay? Everyone thinks he's gay. Why would he be attracted to, you know, why would she go off with him? She should go off with uh, Andrew McCarthy, who's a, he's a handsome man, you know, and he's more masculine. And John Cryer's over here like, wow, okay. You know, it's like if, I think that uh, Molly Ringwald even wanted like Robert Downey Jr. to play Ducky. And then it would be believable, believable at the end if she would go off with Robert Downey Jr., you know, not yeah. John Cryer. And I think that's, uh, she won the battle, I think, is that... Uh, even though the audiences wanted her to go to Kentucky, she personally wasn't attracted to John Cryer like that. So, <laughs> well, it's not what, and again, it shouldn't be what she personally tried to do. It's, it's the character, but you know, that's stupid. But dude. remember, then when they did some kind of wonderful, they they gave like, uh, what is her name? Uh, no, Mary Winningham. No. no um, um, uh, what's her name, Bill? <laughs> the sh- short blonde hair. Mary Stuart Masterson. Mary Stu- oh, Mary Stuart Masterson. Yeah, yeah, Eric Stoltz chooses his ducky, which is Mary Stuart Ma- right. Masterson. Watts at the end. And uh, that was kind of like, okay, this is the ending we should have done. Because if you realize, some kind of wonderful is pretty in pink over again. It's right. like, yeah, it is. With a, with a worse soundtrack. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty. Except, the, some kind of wonderful soundtrack is atrocious, except for the one part with uh, Charlie Sexton. You know, <laughs> it's so lonely. Do you remember that part where the guy, they everybody's going to party at the end? Yeah, everybody's yeah. going to kick his ass. <laughs> I just love that we have that queued up for it. Yeah, really. Sexton is mentioned, but um, yeah. So I want to talk about the movies that are released this weekend. First of all, we got to talk about Entourage because we covered that show when it was on the air Mm -hmm. and um, we have to finish it. It got no, we worse don't. and worse. No, we don't. <laughs> we got to finish the epic storyline. No. <laughs> but that show got worse and worse as it went on. Which means it needs a movie. Yeah. And remember, I even say that Doug Ellen is the biggest con man in Hollywood. The fact that he's pulled this show off that it's a 22-minute show where nothing happens. And... Occasionally something funny would happen, but the main character Vinny was always. I always thought there was nothing interesting about him. No, at all. he was just empty. Maybe that was an artistic choice. Turtle I don't was know. annoying as shit. Oh, occasionally Johnny Drama would have, be in a funny situation, right? Yeah. All I had to see was the uh, the situation well. with uh, Turtle and that female MMA fighter, yeah, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, when I saw the trailer, I just kind of rolled my eyes, but I was like, Stephen, we're going to go see that. We're going to go see it. We got to see Entourage. The last movie I saw and I knew would be painful was the Len Wiseman Total Recall. I don't know if I can go through that again. Right. You don't want to see a film that you know is bad and pay money for it. Yeah, that's... 
Maybe I'll go to the uh, the old person showing with Natalie. We'll we'll pay the the four dollar oh, early you. bird. Thank you, young feller, holding the door for me. It's like oh, I gotta see that entourage. I love that Vinny Chase, Johnny Drama. He's so funny. Oh, he's hilarious. But um, I hope Andrew Dice Clay's in this one too. I read uh, you know several uh, reviews of it, and the funniest ones are. Uh, why did they make this movie again? Like, there's nothing new <laughs> to say. It's exactly like the TV show. It's Pointless. Hour, long, hour and a half long version. You know, the stuff with Ari. Ari's always entertaining. Jeremy Piven or whatever. But, uh, why didn't they just do another season of the show? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. I'm going down through Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, after a while, you expect the tale of movie, movie business to tell you something about the movies as well as the business, but Ellen and company have never had anything to say about that. Yeah, they, they, it's nothing. It's like falling hard syndrome. They have nothing to say. <laughs> now, um, Spy, the new Paul Feig movie, that's 95% fresh. I know. How about that? I mean, I, I was kind of uh, I, the, the trailer definitely entertained me. I mean, the whole idea of uh, Jude Law, Jason Statham, and Melissa McCarthy. I, I love her. Yeah. I, if I, it's a funny movie. I want to see it, you know? I, I like funny movies, you know? Yeah, I'd, I'd pay to go see that. Sure, I'll check that out. I know uh, I was listening to Melissa McCarthy on Howard Stern this week, and I guess they completed the second Tammy film. And I was like, oh, oh boy. Like I, that's, that's one of those movies. I only got about 40 minutes through before I had to bail. Can we talk about the, um, the Cameron Crowe movie, Aloha? Oh my God. Poor Cameron Crowe. What is going on with Cameron Crowe? He's in a downward spiral. I mean, obviously I haven't seen the film, but, uh, it got (laughs) trashed, you know? I mean, other than getting trashed, he also gets trashed for casting uh, Emma Stone as a uh, half-Hawaiian, half-Asian. It's like, oh. That cracked me up when I saw that. I was like, yeah, okay. Why did like you there just... aren't there aren't Hawaiian Asian actors? Yeah, she's an islander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. I, I, I think one of my favorite comments is that it's confusing. Like there's a narrative problem to it. Yeah. Like I guess it has kind of a deeper cultural political storyline and people just can't access it. Like there's something here, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> No, there's nothing there. No, yeah, it's it's uh, Al Capone's vault. What was that other film he did that was universally panned? Was it that we bought a zoo? No, I I didn't. I heard some good things about that. It was the the other one, the um, Elizabeth Town. Yeah, Elizabeth Town. Now nobody liked Elizabeth Town, right? Elizabeth Town was painful. It's it a- was. Someone Oof. said that I remember we talked about it on the show years ago when that came out. Was that he wrote the film around his iPod playlist or something like that. Yeah. Like, here, this, uh, what would a good dramatic moment here, you know? Yeah, the best thing that came out of Elizabethtown is recognition for Elton John's uh, Tumbleweed Connection, his best album. And uh, that's about it. Like, see, We Bought a Zoo was at least 66% fresh. But, like, Elizabethtown, 28% rotten. 
Um, but, you know, this is a guy who did Jerry Maguire, Singles, Almost Famous. Say Anything. Say Anything. So. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I wonder if, like, if I just watched Aloha one afternoon on HBO laying on the couch, I'd be like, eh, it's not so bad. But maybe I just didn't <laughs> I'm want to pay full price you know, for this thing. Didn't want to pay money for it, you know? Yeah, I'll I'll give it a shot whenever it comes out on uh, Blu-ray in about a month. Yeah. I never have seen Elizabethtown, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Elizabethtown, man. That's one of those strange movies where it just goes nowhere. You know, he goes home for, you know, the, the patriarch's funeral, and Paula Dean is an aunt. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, and it, that was pre-racist. <laughs> comments and Apologies. i just want to emphasize that just because i read rotten tomatoes average doesn't mean it doesn't I, mean shit yeah i could see the movie and like it you know i yeah. i've liked films that have been rated rotten before and gone like well what the hell is their deal because you know it's an average of people but they're not always right for instance jupiter ascending uh was rotten and i yeah 25 percent rotten yeah, and I absolutely loved it. So I'm not going to just write off Aloha. There's certain movies I will write off, like for instance, uh, Hot Pursuit at seven percent rotten. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that movie, just that just has bad idea written all over. I could it. tell it was bad from the commercial when I was said to myself, "That's an abomination." I don't even know what. Yeah, that is. Hot Pursuit with. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon and, and Sofia oh, Vergara. Yeah, yeah. yeah, didn't it look horrendous? Yeah, M- Mikhail Havinovicius. <laughs> yeah, it just looked freaking horrendous. Oh my god! And you can just tell. It's like, hey, here's two two people. Cinema verite. Hot in Hollywood right now. Let's put them together and make a movie together with them. Yeah, who was it? who directed that, Bill? Michael Hasanavishish. <laughs> 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 and for instance, the Poltergeist remake. I'm not going to go see that. Oh, either, but uh, but you should go see tomorrow. Oh, I should. You know, I still. You know what? I was going to go see it the other night, and then I was like, "No, nah, I got too much shit to My do." My dad really loved good. Tomorrowland. My dad absolutely loved it. He said he cried in it, and he wow, should see it. And you liked it too. Did mm-hmm. you uh, openly weep? I didn't openly weep. There's a little. You, ch- you, get, you get choked up. Did you yeah. well up you get a little. Choked up, you know. Little, little choked you... up, Johnny. <laughs> I definitely want to see it. I wasn't going to write that movie off, you know what I mean? No, I wasn't going to write it off, but it just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm feeling like they didn't know how, I think I have a feeling this is kind of a John Carter situation again with Disney. They didn't know how they, to market it. Yeah, they right. didn't know how to market it. The trailer is just basically one entire section of the film. You know, it, it, them running away from what you assume are androids. And then shooting off into the sky in a bathtub. I never thought that. Um, well, the way they're shooting the like the laser weapons, uh, and then he gets uh, uh, magnetized to the wall, and that's that's a thing. The movie, the advertisements, never even made me want to figure out what was yeah. going on. It didn't intrigue me enough, so I should just go into it blind to and watch me, it, shouldn't I? The way you guys were talking about Sensei, you know, a kind of a world unity kind of thing, is uh-huh. almost what this is about. Oh, okay. Because the world we live in now, it's everybody bitching on smartphones about things, right? 
and complaining about mm-hmm. shit. There That's you go. What it seems like, and I would like to... to see that. I need I need something that you know puts a fire under some people's ass about you know our world and our times. The world needs to unify. Yeah. No, it's kind of about kind of like that. The main thing that pisses me off about this is then I see Tron 3 is derailed because now Disney thinks people don't want to see sci-fi because Tomorrowland lost money. Even though it was the number one movie the week it came out, it still didn't make that much. Yeah. Disney is, I God, what the hell is wrong with them? I don't know. And how is Tron 3 even related to Tomorrowland? <laughs> it's so stupid. Totally different. I need to see that Tron 3 film, Bill. I desperately need to see it. I mean, come on. We've, they've been teasing us with it since, you know, the, the Blu-ray, Blu-ray release, whenever, you know, you see, like, the Flynn lives and all that shit. And you if got they would have told me after it came out in the theaters that, okay, it didn't do well. There will never be a sequel. I would have been like, okay. And I would have been over it by now. But instead yeah. they said there was going to be a sequel. <laughs> then they reported, okay, Olivia Wilde and the, the other guy, they're cast. They're, everything's getting they're ready. And then, nope, pull the plug. It's not happening. It's just like, what happened? <laughs> you know? It's just, yeah. you know what they need to do, Bill? What? Finish the game! That's yeah, right. they do. Like I set that up. (laughs) (laughs) They need to make Tron 3, for Christ's sakes. Okay, I want to talk about this, guys. Oops, sorry. Wayward Pines. Mm -hmm. Have you been watching that, Bill? No, I have not, but I know that's uh, M. M Night Shammy Lammy's baby. Yes, here's the thing about the pilot is when, you know, when I first saw the commercial. I thought you were going to say, here's the thing about the Pines. Yes, here's the thing about the Pines, Bill. They're wayward. This is why I like the show, because I have no idea what the F is going on. I've tried to, okay, this is what it is, Bill. I've I've said that in my mind over and over again, and then I'm like, no, that's not what it is. And then you keep turning it in your head, and this that's what I like about the show, is I have no idea what the freak is going on. Mm-hmm. But um, when I watched the pilot, I was like... Okay, this is this looks like Twin Peaks or whatever. But I think the idea of the show is it kind of plays on your having viewed other shows like this, say like X Files or Twin Peaks or Oh, okay. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone or whatever where you're like, what the F? And then Bill, just if you watch Night the, Gallery. Watch the first three episodes, the end of the third episode, it was kind of like Dude, what the f? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I, Heather was like, "Rewind it, rewind it." And I was like, "Okay, I am rewinding." And we rewound it, and they were like, "Dude, what the hell is going on in this show?" <laughs> and I love that moment that I got excited like that. Yeah, the end of the third one, I was like, "Going, what the?" Yeah, what the hell? And Sold. I, I mean, it's got Melissa Leo, Terrence Howard. Jesus. Carla, Carla Gugino, Toby Jones, Matt Dillon. Come on, it's got a great cast. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic cast. I mean, they didn't Carla Gugino right off of uh, San Andreas. <laughs> yeah. The fact that they Another fantastic You know, I movie. almost went to go see San Andreas based on uh, the what's that girl's name? 
Alexandra Daddario. Oh Jesus! I was like, you know what? That's worth going to see it. And then I was like, yeah, I've only I've only thinking? seen her parts of True Detective. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, no, we're not going to go see that. All her parts. I told Stephen that I go, hey, you want to go see San Andreas? He's like, yeah, I'm up for it. And I was like, no, we can't go see. No, that. we what can't go see that. Yeah, and we're gonna. I mean, somebody might see us there. <laughs> it's it's got loud sound and stuff. And then you know, I wrote that on Facebook about my favorite parts when the rock punches the earth. Punches it. I wonder if anyone read that. I go, dude, does that really happen? I gotta go see that. God, I was hoping it did happen. Gives it the and then post, chill out, simmer down. You simmer, settle down. You settle, settle down. down, and then the earthquake just stops, and that's the end of the movie. Like, damn, he's a badass. <laughs> the best part of, did you ever see? Uh, <laughs> cool off. Did you ever see? Um, Fast Seven yet, Bill? No, seven. I have not. I want to tell you about the best rock part, but I don't want to spoil Just, it. No, well, don't spoil Fast and because Furious. it's a it's a funny moment. That, oh, it's fine. Spoil away. The Rock, because uh, Jason Statham nearly kills him, is in the hospital in a body cast. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> and he breaks out of the cast. He flexes, and the cast goes. <laughs> Like explodes off of it, and it is so hilarious when that happens. Yeah, I don't know where I heard that, but when I did hear it, I was like, "Oh, of course, of and, course." And his daughter's there. She's like, "What are you doing, Dad?" And he goes, and "He goes, got to go to work. Going to work." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like stand up, throw some popcorn. Yeah, Woo! I would. I'd love to see that in a in a theater with a lot of very talky people. Yes, did. very, very strategic <laughs> the way you said that. Bill. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know what's you, funny? You got to be culturally sensitive. What's that guy's name who it was two people saying that song at the end, the Wiz Khalifa song? Oh, yeah. That yeah. was on Radio Disney Today driving with Emma. And as I was driving, I was like, damn it, I'm getting emotional listening to this damn song. It's so I'm going to see you again one day, brother. And last ride. When he's talking about I'll see you again, he's talking about when he sees him in heaven, right? Yeah. That shit's touching, man. It makes me just want to cry. Yeah. I miss Paul Walker. Me too. It's hard to think that uh, he's gone. I'll have to watch uh, Running Scared again. I just always think of Steven holding that napkin. You need this? <laughs> Steven's such a prick. <laughs> Damn you, Steven! <laughs> I would expect nothing less from Steven. That was funny. <sighs> whenever we, uh, um, whenever, oh, will you two just keep it down? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, whenever we are down there for uh, Star Wars. If Steven has any handkerchiefs, I'm going to I'm going to punch him. <laughs> Cuz I will be I'll just not. Well, we actually I'm need to order, talk about that bill cuz I was I'm thinking order Star Wars uh, handkerchiefs. Do you know how how inconvenient it is that Star Wars comes out on Christmas? Is it on Christmas Day or is it it's a week Christmas, before Christmas? No, it's Christmas freaking day. Oh god, that's awful. Do you know how many places we go on Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I am going to go oh, see Star Wars. Damn it. Did they really have to do that to us? Uh, well, I kept thinking about it. It's like that's actually not a good time to release a movie. It all no, it's an awful time. No one wants to go to the movies on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got my family, we got Heather's family. I don't know what the hell we're going to do cuz I hate the fact that well, you know like a film like Star Wars, you want to see it when it comes out. 
how annoying would it be to wait like five days and everyone's like, oh, this, this, or this about the movie? Okay, so it's December 18th is the day it opens. I thought it was December 25th. No, it's December 18th. Oh, thank God. Woo, dodge a... Whoa, bullet almost It's the weekend before Christmas. Oh, wow. There you go. You feel better? I don't know if you guys know this, but... um, Order your tickets now. Yeah, seriously. I was about to burp. Oh, look look into a light. (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this, but... We know now know the name of Andy Serkis's character. Oh my god, <laughs> I couldn't I I forget his name now. Damn it. Darth Ricochet. Andy Serkis's character. Yeah, the, it was news and I'm like it doesn't mean anything because whatever. It's a name. His name is Fred. What is your name? What is your favorite? His name is Supreme Leader Snoke. Snoke. Wow, I know the whole story now. Uh, Yeah. Whatever you guys can do with that information. Supreme Leader Snoke. All the movies ruined. (laughs) How dare they? Bastard. You know that article you posted on Facebook, Eight Things to Help Make Sense of Sense8? Is that a pretty good read? Yeah, it's... You know what? I think it... uh, it gives you a more appreciation of what they're trying to do. I mean, it's not it's not particularly spoilery, but it kind of gives a little more backstory. Very so, interesting. Yeah, okay. it's good. Sometimes, like, do you guys, like, for instance, I'm a, like a natural skeptic, a natural-born skeptic. I don't know what you say, it, but I, I question everything, uh, which I think most people should. Not to a point where you're annoying the shit out of everyone, but like, oh. Are you sure about that or anything? I'm just saying internally you can question things. Sure. But do you believe in psychic ability? Because my first instinct is go, hell no. no. Hell no. no. Like, I think I believe in the idea of your um, shit. I think mosquitoes are good in the house. Um, The idea that your brain has instincts to predict danger. Sure. I believe uh, that people have uh, empath abilities, that they can feel energies uh, from different things or different places or, you know, it just you mean, you kind mean of like when people go somewhere and they're like, they can tell someone something horrible happened here or something yeah, like that. Because I'm, I, I, I'm very empathetic, so I, I get that a good deal. You know, uh, when you walk in a room and somebody's upset, yeah, or something. Yeah, I I have that that ability, but I psychic stuff is very wishy washy to me. Because maybe maybe it exists. Psychic I don't would know. win the lottery all the time, but it yeah. doesn't work like that. They tell you. So it's just yeah. So I'm I'm very skeptical of that. Like in the dead zone. There are times I've had very uncanny, like holy shit! I I the ice is gonna break. (laughs) I haven't been like John Smith, but like I swear, like a moment I'm experiencing, I've had a premonition or a vision about it before. But it's just your brain is always predicting things that are gonna happen or something. I've been on medications like uh, Lexapro that um, they'll do these things to you where uh, you'll feel like you've experienced this moment before. 
And Lexapro is for general anxiety disorder. So normally when you're on it, you're prone to panic. So I would have these moments where I'd be like, oh, my God, something bad is going to happen. I know it. And then realize, oh, it's just the medication giving me this this deja vu uh, feeling. You a feeling of dread. Yeah. Isn't that a lot of what happens with panic attacks is sometimes you make yourself think something terrible is going to happen? Sure. And it, it just gets out of control. Uh, a lot of times it's just uh, more of a uh, just a, a, an intense feeling of uncertainty of like right. it's just your mind is racing a million miles a minute and you just can't make sense of anything. And oh, then yeah. if you concentrate on it too much, it can get out of control. I have this horrible thing that I do. I don't know if it's a panic attack. You can tell me where I'm anticipating something so much that I can't just freaking sit still. I get worked up about things I have to do. Yeah, you know sure. I mean? That's that's a mild panic, yeah. And I think I've had That's that's more general anxiety disorder. I remember when I first met Heather, you know, like certain things, you know, I told her like, "Oh, I, I haven't gone to the doctor since I was like a little kid." She's like, "What?" Like, have you had, like, blood work or, like, uh, had a checkup? And I'm like, no. And she was like, well, I'm going to make you an appointment because you need to go. You know, everyone does. And I was like, no, I'm not going to. And she's like, what? So finally I relented. She made the appointment. The morning of the appointment, I was like, you can't make me go. I'm an adult. And she's like, what? You're, You're being irrational. I was like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. She goes, are you kidding me? We... Come on, we made an appointment. It's going to be harmless. Come on. And I was like, I'm not going, okay? And yeah, was, that's the, you know what? That's also a, a touch of uh, like obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, like a lack of control, your inability to control situation. So going to a doctor is very uncertain. Like you yeah. don't know what they're going to say, and it's a loss of you know personal control. And like you, yeah, yeah. It was, you can't tell me what to do or something like yeah. that. So then I remember uh, we were on our way there and we were almost there. And Heather goes, see, there's there's McDonald's right there. As soon as we leave the appointment, I'm going to we're going to go get McDonald's breakfast. And I was like, oh, OK, that sounds good. So what if he tells me I have a heart condition? <laughs> so anyway, they took blood and I got the appointment and just answer stupid questions. And then we went to yeah. McDonald's and got the McDonald's breakfast. And guess what? Everything was fine. Yep. And that's I, what I do with my dad. And I felt like an idiot later, of course. Like, I'm so sorry I put you through that. And I started wondering, was that like a panic attack I was having? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was just freaking out. And That's I, I, your trigger. Your trigger is uh, doctor's offices, you know, things you can't control. So I remember another time, like, we were at Heather's parents. And Heather, you know, it was after Emma was uh, still pretty young. She was maybe three or something like that. And Heather had to go out of state for her job for like a week. So it was going to be just me and Emma. And I was fine until Heather left in the sense that, and I'll never forget that um, something happened where we were at the airport. It was Heather and her parents and me and Emma. And uh, Jim said something like, go get Lee or something. She was looking for, so I went downstairs looking for her. I couldn't find her anyway. And Heather was like nearly boarding the plane and Lee Mm. had found them and they were all there. And I ran back and I was so stressed out and pissed off that I was gone the whole time looking for her when she was there the whole time that, you know, Heather had to go and I hugged her and she left and we went over to Heather's parents and 
you know, Lee was like, we're going to have some barbecue or something. So you guys should stick around. I was like, okay. And then Heather's brother and his wife at the time and their daughter came over and it was just really loud. And, uh, I was like, can you guys be quiet? I mean, I didn't, something was going on with me. I don't know, but I was still kind of worked up and I was like, Hey, can you guys, uh, can you guys just settle down? You know, I was saying to Jim and them, and Jim started encouraging them to scream like, uh, he just, I could think he thought it was funny just to do the opposite of what I was saying. So they were all screaming and Eric was too. And I finally yelled at the top of my lungs, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I go, sorry, Lee. I'm so sorry, Lee. Come on, Emma. Come on, Emma. And we just got the fuck out of there. I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm like losing yeah. my mind. Yeah. And sometimes really loud things make me something goes off on my brain where i'm like i need to leave now yes and it, uh, it may not have been just the loud thing it's all the movement and everything else that went yeah, along just, with it and then my emotions too of heather yeah. leaving me yeah you were still processing that situation yeah, that that loss barely, of uh, comfort yeah barely got a chance to say goodbye to her and then she was gone and it was just i was still like so emotional over that it's like i'm not sticking around for barbecue i'm out of here you know, I need to be away and I need to be in quiet, you know, and it was just, uh, and another time was, I can think of when we were, there was, Emma was selling Girl Scouts and they were doing it at the Harley Davidson place and oh, it was boy. some kind of biker rally thing there where they had a live band. It was super loud and, um, they were walking through the crowd selling cookies to these bikers and I was sitting, you know, over on a bench like, screw that. I'm not going in there. It's not that I thought the bikers were going to kill us or anything. It just wasn't my scene. <laughs> it, it, it was loud and noisy. And and there was one point where Heather was like, can you come with us? I don't want to. Some asshole was dancing bar. on the bar to tequila. So I was like, sure, I'll come with you, Heather. You know, I need to be a protective husband. So I'm walking with Emma, her friend, Heather. And uh, then they're like, Heather, we need a uh, change for so-and-so. Okay, Jason, are you going to be okay? And she walks away. And it's just me standing there with the cookies and Emma and the other girl. And there's bikers like, hey, man, I'll take three of them thin mints. So I'm going through there. I'm handling money. There's this big throng of people. And I started having one of those, like, <laughs> and yeah. people are like, yeah, hey, man, you have any of them peanut butter? It's just like, I want everyone to go away. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I just want to run. I got to get out. But my daughter's right here. So I was like, come on, guys. Let's go back. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Go, 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 go. And we're like, go all the way back. And I said to Heather, don't ever make me do that again. Yeah, no shit. Ever. I was like, I'm not doing it again. And that's another moment where I started slowly like, okay, I'm about to freak out. I need to get out of here. And I, I never really realized that I had that kind of trigger. But sometimes it starts to happen where... I'm like I'm about to freak out, you know. Yeah. And I no, yeah, that's that's a, that's panic. That's panic. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to just stay chill. You know what I mean? Chill at all times. Chill is always best. Chillax. Gotcha. I've kind of developed that. You know, when I started having panic attacks, I was in my early 20s, and it's it, you know it's passed down. Uh, so that's exactly when my dad started having them, and I had no idea what the hell it was. I was uh, when I had my first panic attack, it was just. Everything was moving. It was like I was going, you know, 60 miles an hour and everyone around me was going 20. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't sleep. I would lay down 
and I would wake myself up. It was, and I, that went on all weekend because this struck on a Friday, and I couldn't get in to see the doctor until Monday. So I basically went on 72 hours, no sleep, full panic mode before I could get in there and she could throw some Xanax in me and then it was just calmness. And uh, See, that I've was like my first wake up, like, oh my God, what the hell just happened to me? So, yeah. uh, you know, now is because I've been dealing with it for 10 years now, I've, I've got, you know, whenever there's a trigger, whenever I start panicking and it's normally whenever something doesn't work out the way it i planned it to be right and i will you know i'll start you know and i'll, I'll feel the panic settling in and then i just do breathing then i just you know in through the nose out through the mouth try to calm yourself yeah. down and that's that's my main you know as opposed to taking medication which you can only take those things like clonopin or xanax for about 6 months before it starts to actually affect your brain Right. So, you know, you've got to develop coping mechanisms to deal yeah. with that. What I did is at the biker thing, I went and sat in the car and I uh, started watching Chuck on my phone. Oh, like there you Netflix. go. I just kind of chilled there for a bit. The windows were up and it, everything was muffled outside. And I was like, okay, I think I can go back now. And I went back to where they were. But just like uh, sometimes just too loud. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be your trigger. You know, yeah. like too much sensory overload. If somebody yells too close to me, it annoys me too, or I just kind of like wince. Like, uh, like sporting events are okay to a point, but I'm always like, I should bring my earbuds so I can just stick them in my ears to when it gets too loud. Mm-hmm. Even at hockey games, sometimes it gets a little too loud for me where it yeah. starts to like, I'm not enjoying myself anymore. When is this going to end? You know, like I need to just sometimes block out all the noise, you know? Yeah. So everything's going to be okay, Jason. So usually, you know, I haven't taken like any uh, drugs for it, but I have, I, if I can just go be with myself and kind of center myself, you know what I mean? Honestly, I think that's, that's the best uh, method because I've been on medication for it on and off for a very long time. And uh, you always feel a little bit, not yourself yeah. like you can't concentrate enough you can't your mind's a little foggier you're a little slower you know i still take stuff for depression i take effexor uh but that's a, it's a very low dosage and just enough to um take that edge off whenever i'm in a very low state but yeah. uh Whenever I was on, you know, Lexapro has plenty of uh side effects that just make you feel uh not particularly wonderful so and and it works great for some people some people have the body chemistry that they can deal with it but uh i just found that the 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 benefits of not taking it outweighed the benefits of taking it so uh that's it's a choice for everyone but uh yeah that's you you've got you've got your methods to cope with it so you know yeah i was i was just thinking about this too bill when i worked at mj designs and Stephen no longer worked there. You were going to school in Denton at North Texas. Do you remember that time I just showed up? I was like, hey, is it okay if I stay here? I was at work, and it was like a particularly busy time, and I think I was the only person there. And I literally walked out, got in my car, and drove to Denton. And I was supposed to still be at work. 
And I was mm. like, hey, Steven, what's up? You know, I think I had like a slight panic attack type and snapped and just had to get I out of there. I just left, too. You know what? Yeah. Sometimes it might be like a protective thing where your brain is telling you, okay, you no longer need to be in this environment right now. And for your mental health, <laughs> I'm now going to take you far away from this place. And that's like all of a sudden I was like, hey, I'm here at Stevens. Hey, Steven, how's it going? And uh, there was one other time where it was so I was so stressed out. There were a bunch of people on the counter. I'll never forget this. I walked out and I went to the movies. And I think we went and saw Lawnmower Man. And I was supposed to be at work at the time. And when the movie was up, I was like, oh, shit. What am I going to do about my job? <laughs> but somehow... I always never lost. <laughs> yeah, wow, I that's amazing. Got away with it. I don't know how. And I remember even one time Bob, the manager at the time, came and talked to me and he was like, So can you tell me what happened? They tell me you just left and I go, It's like this. I was really stressed out and I just had to get out of there. I it was just there was a lot of people, it was stressful and I was just freaking out a little and I had to leave. And he goes, oh, well, if you ever need to talk about anything, just come on up here. I'll understand. So, you know, you can talk to me. And I was like, okay. He's like, are you okay now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he goes, okay, well, just let me know. And I was like, so I get to keep my job? Yeah. <laughs> and I my did. And I so was I'm not fun. fired? So <laughs> twice I walked out on that place and still kept my job. You know, it's funny. When I was a kid, my, my panic attack started showing up when I was very young and no one knew what was going on. It was just, you know, I was the black sheep. I was the, the last, you know, I was the youngest. And I, I don't know if maybe they thought it was for attention or something, but when I was like, I don't know, like four or five, uh, I, we would go to restaurants and we would eat and everything would be fine. And then at the end of it, I would get ill and throw up. And I did, I did it every time we went to the restaurant and it just wow. can't, got to the point where like my family stopped going to restaurants. Every time? Every time. It didn't matter it was like the moment we were done eating, I would get ill. And I remember one time at a Red Lobster, I threw up in the lobby. I didn't even make it to the bathroom. Oh, I think you told and, me about that where everyone's yeah. leaving. Yeah. And then one time I threw up outside of a Chinese restaurant. And then oh, the guy man. was out there cleaning it up as we left. And it was just, it was embarrassing. And I don't think anybody understood what was going on. My parents were too self-centered to realize what was going on. Like, oh, maybe there is something wrong. Maybe we should take him to see somebody. No. It was just always oh, just Billy being Billy. It's like, oh, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. You'll grow. It's just you a phase. Don't worry about it. Was it ever like, um, yeah, so, Bill, we're going to go out to eat, and you're <laughs> going to stay here. Are you going to be okay with it? Yeah. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't remember that. I just remember the family stopped going out to eat. Wow. Yeah. This thing Emma does where we go to a restaurant, she's very lively, she's uh, she's having a good time, and then a certain point where she just wants to lay her head against you and she's like, she's, she's done. done. Yeah. She wants to lay down. It's just like her energy only goes so far because sometimes at restaurants you got to wait forever, then you sit down. Then you get your food, and it's just like, you know, okay, I'm tired. I just I was, yeah, going to the restaurant's an emotional roller coaster for a kid. <laughs> yeah. There's the there's the anticipation, and then the 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 satisfaction, and, and then like, the, dessert, the crash. Emma? And then she's like, huh? Boing, 
Yeah. yeah. Said attention. Yeah, I had the anxiety lady on the plane today sitting next to me. Oh, oh really? no! I had the earphones on, so I didn't. You know, I just and uh, as we're uh, we landed, we're taxiing, and she, you know, she looks at me. She goes, "So you just fell right asleep? Did you have a good nap?" I'm like, "She goes, I was too nervous." You know, I was like. I fly every week, yeah. You know what's funny is I hadn't flown, well, ever. The first time I went down to Texas was the first time I had ever flown on a plane. Uh, And because I was always too big. And, you know, my, my, of course, my mom will go, no, you you flew whenever you were a baby. Doesn't count. And it never, you know, I, it never bothered me. Like for my entire life, I was always afraid of planes. But the moment I got on the plane, I was fine. Like, it was the last thing on my mind. Uh, flight Now, flights to California, when I was going to see Natalie, when I'm on a plane for four hours from Ohio to, to Phoenix. There were, the wind! Yeah, there were times where I was like, oh, something could happen. And then you're just like, oh, no, just go to sleep. So I got to the point where now it's the moment the plane takes off. Whenever you get pushed back in your seat, I'm like, oh, yeah, that okay. <sighs> Yeah. Like I just there's just that comforting push that it's like a it's like a hug. It's like a plane hug. They, they turn that engine on and the engine hum is like just <laughs> music. Yeah. I, and now I now I just fall asleep on the plane. I haven't been on a plane in a long time. Like I rode it several times as a kid after my parents got divorced cuz we lived in Texas with my mom and my dad lived in California. So we'd fly out there for the summer, you know. And uh I, as an adult, I went once to Las Vegas with my cousin Kim and Candy, and then I realized how there was like no leg room on the plane. For you, oh God, like, yeah. For me, I was so you uncomfortable. You have to get the bulkhead or the yep. or the or the. And exit I couldn't width. imagine even now. I probably couldn't even fit in a seat. You know. Oh, you could. When you I could. go to like the Stars game, and I'm like. Wedging my ass into the those air. those seats at like stadiums are even smaller yeah, than like a, coach. Yeah, there's like twenty percent less seat there. Like I feel skin on either side of my hips. Like yeah! you know, okay, I'm good now. I'm good now. And then every time the stars score, you got to stand up. Yeah, yeah. score. Okay, let me sit. Yeah! Sit back down. Oh my god, I'm in so much pain. And then they score like eight goals that night, so I'm bloody. But oh god, you have, you have. Stop scoring goals. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please calm down? Yeah, I remember the first time I flew down there, I was still tipping the scales at like 400 pounds. And uh, I, f- I remember I worried, so I bought two seats. It was like $700 to fly down there the Holy first time. shit, birds. Yeah, and uh, I was so worried that I would be too fat for the seat that I bought two seats. And then I, I sat down and I was like, oh, I guess I'm not. I could even buckle the seat belt. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is cool. For the belt not to fit over, you have to be pretty big. Yeah. So, uh, it's, yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think the only time I've ever panicked on a plane was one time from Phoenix to San Francisco. We hit really bad turbulence and we couldn't get out of it. And the pilot dropped, uh, 10,000 feet in a minute. And it was where you lost, you know, gravity. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I remember I just started laughing like like freaking uh, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. (laughs) Like, (laughs) because it was like, I think at this age, at 35, I've finally kind of conquered that, that loss of control, possible death fear. 
and I was just like, I was just laughing. And the guy next to me started laughing too, and it just became infectious. And then by the end of it, he's like, oh, thank God my wife wasn't with us because at about this point we'd be using the uh, the paddles on her to res- to revive her. And it was just it was it was incredible that it you know that one moment where like you look face in the death and I just started laughing. It's like, oh, hey, this is how it happens, right? Yeah, when I first flew, I flew with my brother-in-law, and he's like, he kept trying to do that. Oh man, the plane never make that noise before. Look, I'm not stupid. When I see the flight attendants freak out, then I'll freak out. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not scared. (laughs) 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 Yep, that was me. Wow. I can't. I can't even think how many people I scared shitless with my. Nervous laughter. What's that guy laughing at? We're <laughs> <laughs> going down. <laughs> that guy's lost his mind. <laughs> We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Would that be even worse if you turned to the person next to you? We're all gonna die. <laughs> SpongeBob scream. <laughs> <laughs> that and I saw that came out on uh, Blu-ray this week. I need to see that the new SpongeBob movie. It's a funny movie. Did we take you to see that, Stephen? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was fun. Stephen was disappointed. I could hear it in his voice. Yeah. Uh-uh. I think I invited you. You're like, I'm too grown up for that. No, I'm too fancy. Oh, have you guys? Uh, before we go, have you guys watched uh, any Master Chef at yes. all? No. Yes. It's been pretty entertaining. You know, it's just been, what, three episodes? Or yeah. two episodes? Um, three. Three this week. Been yeah. three episodes. They have the one kind of flamboyant guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Gonna, and Joe Bassianich is gone, and it's some lady who does, like, desserts and stuff. Yeah, she's a dessert She has, like, place. a pie shop in New York or something. I thought that was interesting. I... I don't know her personality I assume yet. she's extremely successful to be a judge on the show. Yeah. But I still love the uh, Elliot Graham or Graham. Graham Elliot. Graham, Graham Elliot Bowles. <laughs> Graham Elliot Bowles. Yes. Graham Bowl Elliot. He loves to go bowling. He does this kind of looking up to the left, kind of cocks his head and goes, the way he like chews his food, it cracks me up. Mm, I, when I'm I try to do that. Now. Mm, it's, it's quite delicious. <laughs> The only thing I wanted to add is that I was going through Blu-rays earlier today ah. and noticed that uh, – you remember the film with uh, – oh, shit, the two the two Bryans, uh, Brian Dennehy and Brian Brown, FX? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Heck coming yeah. out on Blu-ray. Sweet. Awesome. You know, I never saw FX2, but I have seen FX. I loved FX2. I heard it was good. Yeah, well, I mean – I lo- I was young and thought it was awesome because I was into that sort of thing. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I thought that was really cool that that was hitting Blu-ray and uh, Kingsman. If if anybody hasn't seen it yet, the uh, Matthew Vaughn film. I'm the I, only one who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah I definitely thought, recommend that one. That was yeah, you guys uh, have both recommended. It. So did Adam. He said, "Yeah, you got to go see that." So I'll definitely check it out. 
the only thing I'm disappointed. Oh, oh, here, I thought I thought I saw it in 3D, but then I remember. Should we that, do a DVD segment, Bill? Or no, that was really it. Kingsman and FX were the two that uh, oh, really, okay. and um, the Last Unicorn. Uh, they're Shout Factory's releasing the Last Unicorn on Blu-ray. What's that? The Last Unicorn. Yeah. The uh, animated film. I've never seen it. Really? You've never seen The Last Unicorn? No, I don't think so. Wow. Okay, so The Last Unicorn is uh, it's uh, it's an animated film, of course. Beautiful animation, kind of like that. Uh, it's a, uh, I think it was a, a Rankin and Bass film, actually. Um, and it's uh, this unicorn that's in this mystical land of talking animals and magicians. And cert- it's basically you look for another unicorn. Like, is she the only unicorn? Ah, it's a, it's it's one of those you know movies that I grew up on, and it can be a little depressing, but it's also a fantastic movie. So is it depressing because there's only one unicorn left? <laughs> Basically, yes. Does everyone want to kill the unicorn? But it's about you know it's about friendship and love and finding yourself. Aw, that sounds great. Yeah. You think Emma would like it, or is it too dated? No, she'd love it. You know what Emma loves is the Little Ponies. My Little Pony. Does she? Yeah, it's funny. She, it, it was really cute. She showed me an episode that had a Metal Gear Solid reference. And she goes, Dad, you need to see this. It has references to uh, games you like. And I said, okay. So I sat and watched the whole episode with her. And I, she goes, did you like that? And I go, yeah, yeah, that was, that was neat. She goes, do you think you're going to be a brony now? And I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Why do you know that term? <laughs> brony. She's watched that documentary on Netflix. Can you let that dog out, Steven? I'm so sorry. She's just whimpering now. I've got to go party out there. I tell you, there is one unicorn. That's my toilet out there, you know. By the way, you know how we've had a lot of flooding on our back porch, Bill? Yeah. Um, when it's it's all dried up and gone, but there's this weird residue, like weird kind of like I don't know what it is, but it's gross. And protected. Uh, I'm thinking it's some kind of moss, like the green slime. It's like in uh, Jordy Barrel and Creepshow. Meteor shit. (laughs) Meteor shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, the special brand of Texas meteor shit. Yep. Well, I guess uh, let's wrap this up. What do you guys say? Yeah, let's wrap it. Bill, Steven, thank you guys so much for joining me this evening, talking about all sorts of cool stuff. It's good to get together and talk about things passionately, isn't it? Yes. Always. But that was awesome. I love getting together talk about film, television, pop culture. Did you guys like how fast I said that? <laughs> so anyway, guys, if you would like to check out our podcast, it's called Entertainment Landfill. And this is ETL Daily episode 17, huh? Oh. I'm thinking maybe one day we'll go back to the regular entertainment landfills. <laughs> I'm not sure when. For instance, my It'll daughter, be a surprise. My a daughter, surprise. Bill, just got out. Of, this was her last day of the fifth grade today. 
Nice. And next week's we're going to Galveston and stuff like that. So I knew we had to do a show to get something on the feed for next week. I even have a Chuck show in the can, and I haven't been able to work on it yet. So there will at least be two episodes hitting the feed soon. So, oh, good. guys, just please be patient with me as I figure out how to do the show during the summertime when my daughter's <laughs> out of school and stuff like that. We'll be doing fun stuff. But I posted on Facebook. Do you guys remember? I don't know. I grew up in apartment complexes. So every summer, it was the pool area. We would, like, sleep till noon, get up, mm-hmm. eat, eat cereal or something, then go down to the pool, man. Yep. Just we would get left at the pool by my mom with no money. Oh, man, that's... And then we would have to wheel and deal and hustle to try to figure out to get money to actually be able to eat. <laughs> wheel and deal and hustle? Oh, yeah. Holy crap. We would totally con people. I remember one time we left the pool and knocked on people's door and said that we were doing the... Um, what was that thing? It was the American Heart Association Jumpathon? Uh-huh. And that we were collecting <laughs> donations. Oh, wow. Yeah, and... <laughs> Just so we could get money so that we could get some lunch. So we'd basically con people out of money for so we could get food. Holy shit. We'd be like, yeah, uh, do you want to sponsor us? You know, it's a dollar an hour. Uh, if you, you know, we, so yeah, we were, we, we were con to, artist we children. Used to do for money in our apartment complex, knock on doors. Yeah. Uh, can I uh, throw your, take your garbage down to the dumpster for uh, 50 cents or whatever? I'll do it for a quarter. Okay. And then they give you a quarter and you take the trash down on the dumpster. We used to do that. I'll never forget one time somebody left behind their uh, Coke bottle piggy bank and put it next to the dumpster. And I counted through that entire thing. Uh, Pennies, quarters, nickels, dimes. You know, it just, it took me probably like four or five hours to count through all of it. And I ended up with $200 and I was like beside myself. Like, who? would leave this free oh my god i immediately have to go down to the corner store and spend it all on comic books (laughs) and that's exactly why i got comic books i got soda and i got bags of doritos nice yeah there was nothing better than finding a way of getting money and then you can like spend it on some uh snacks and stuff yeah, that was awesome. That was like that was that was heaven. Being going into the storm, be like, I can buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just like when you were a kid and having like ten dollar bill or something, you felt like, oh man, uh, uh, what am I gonna get with this? You know, I own the world. <laughs> no, it was worse for me. Me, my grandfather would take me and my brother and my cousins. He would drive in the car and follow us as we walked along the railroad tracks and picked up aluminum cans. Oh, wow. Would you get a cut? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Not Sweet. much. I mean, cause you're <laughs> splitting it amongst yeah. six kids or something, so you get like two bucks for out there sweating all day and yeah. grandpa's in the car watching. Did it remind, like in Napoleon Dynamite, six dollars? That's like a dollar an hour. <laughs> He's counting all that change. Hope you don't mind a paying change. Forgot my checkbook. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of that. That's like a dollar an hour. Working in that giant chicken thing. <laughs> they do have large talons. Do they have large talons? Excuse me, what? Do they have large talons? 
I don't understand a word you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie too many times. So, Bill, how are the chickens doing? They're excellent. They uh, go into their house at night. The craziest thing is they've started to roost on the door. Wait, and if you, you mean can, your chickens have come home to roost? They do. They come home to roost at night. <laughs> That's awesome. And the, yeah, and the door, the top of the door is easily, I don't know, 12 feet in the air. And... The other night, yes, that's live, live from the chicken house. There's a webcam at Bill's house. <laughs> there was. I the first night we put them out in the coop. I was so worried that I set up a webcam. We just need to have this in the background the whole time. <laughs> you got baby. He's got chickens. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, they're not that loud. Have you had any chickens that are afraid to do something? And they go, "What are you?" You? What are you? What are you? You? Yeah. <laughs> we have one that's a uh, a crested cream leg bar, and it has kind of a, a mohawk, and it's the it's the it's the yeah we call it Roadrunner, and uh, she's she's pretty skittish. So yeah, if there was any that were afraid to do anything, it's her. Probably because Webster killed her sister. Oh wow! That yeah, wh- thing that you call a pet. Killed my sister. <laughs> yes, exactly. So now anytime Webster's out there, they all run away like, oh, shit. Oh. Murder. The murderer's back. He's not even in jail. <laughs> He's not I'm even free. in jail. He's like, hey, 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 hey. is there no again? justice? <laughs> I'm away with it again. As soon as they turn their attention away. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what happened. That's, uh, yeah, so we have to be very cautious when Webster's out and about. Oh, Webster. He sees dinner. Leave those chickens alone. Are you telling me he feels like chicken tonight? He does feel like chicken tonight. Please have that drop. I feel like chicken tonight. Like chicken tonight. Like chicken tonight. (laughs) Awesome. I am God here. Oh, sorry. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I am God here. Yes. That's what you get when you get 10 years of doing podcasting. (laughs) You have a drop for everything. And it was funny. I heard somebody talking about a scene from, uh, I've never actually seen Mick Gruber. I don't know if you've seen it. But uh, painfully, talking, yeah, I talking have. talking about yeah. this scene where he rips throats out or something. So I was like, I went on YouTube and I had to see it. And I actually thought the scene was funny. It's when uh, Val Kilmer's holding him down and cutting his hair off. Have you seen that? <laughs> These two henchmen are holding his arms and he's like cutting his hair. He's like, no, because he's trimming his long hair. And you just see his face growing red like he's talking out. He's like, like his anger is boiling. Then finally he's like, ah, and he does like this flip and he grabs her throat. So he goes, rips both their throats out. It was, I actually thought it was pretty funny because that's the best part of the film. The rest of it is just awful. Yeah. That's what I figured. God awful. Or as I like to say, gut awful, gut awful. You know, if you say it really fast, well guys, that's our show. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of entertainment daily. The weekly show we record <laughs> daily. No, we don't record it daily. It's a, a daily day. show we record weekly. On at, a day. At night. <laughs> On a day. So, oh. Stephen and Bill, thank you guys so much for joining me. I love getting together with you guys and talking about film, television, pop culture, panic attacks, and transgender type stuff. 
How cool is yep. that? Bad movies That's, we've worked on. Yes. We cover all subjects here. Bad movies we worked on. Or you worked on. And stuff like that. You know what's funny is one thing that I almost said earlier that I kind of uh, didn't finish my thought was that at the time I was jealous like they were making this film. Right. And now when I watch it all these years later, I was like, wow, I had nothing to be jealous about. <laughs> I had nothing to be envious about or anything like that. You know, Hindsight is twenty twenty. Because when you're around something like that, you always think, well, here's what I would do. You know, and the fact that... I was wanting to do film stuff, so I was like, all right, you get a foot in the door. But it's so annoying seeing somebody who is doing what you want to do, but they're doing it all jacked up and wrong you know even though it's a grueling shoot you know but <laughs> you see like the first thing what is the first thing you do when you see him uh, when you are going to make a movie you always hear it is you gotta get that script right you gotta yeah. have a story you gotta have a reason to make this film and the fact that the script sucks so bad <laughs> uh, i mean telling you like how do we get a job just doing what jim winorski does so speaking Bad TNA movies on Cinemax. That's a living, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, you it's don't want to do living. that. If you're an artist, you want to tell a story. Man, I got a mosquito bite well, right on my can, knuckle, and it's itchy as hell. If you make the cheap TNA to make a good movie, you use a fake name on the TNA movies. What's funny about Papa Topless is it showed that Jim Wynorski is a talented guy. And he kind of, I'm going to say he gave up and just found a niche to keep doing, right? Yeah, made him money. Yeah, come on. This guy made Chopping Mall. That shit is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Chopping Mall. He was, he could find the best uh, reels, uh, old reels to put in his movies, like car chases and stuff. But anyway, guys, uh, whatever I was going on there. But it, I love doing the show with Bill and Steven, and I love you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We love feedback on this show. We don't get any, but we love it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we you, love when we get it. Send us some voicemail. Send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at one two zero six three zero nine four seven two nine. What do you That's say about new. that? That's new. Come on. No, that's the same number. Oh, is it? Why do I always have the 3491 in my head? It might is that the old one? one? It might have been that a long, long time oh, okay. ago. I don't know, but guys, thank you so much. Oh, and uh, join our ET uh, Landfill fan club on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So, Bill, Steven, thank you guys so much for joining me again. And uh, what are you guys waiting for? Let's go watch some movies. All right. See you next time. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Now this is podcasting.